The Tape Library is a bi-weekly podcast that explores the paranormal, the unexplained, and the downright disturbing parts of our world. If you enjoy this episode, then please consider rating the podcast and subscribing. Every review or rating that you leave on your chosen podcast platform really supports us. Welcome, curious souls, to a world where shadows dance and whispers from the beyond find voice in the flickering light of candlelit parlours an enigmatic practice took root in the heart of Victorian England seances these were gatherings where the living dared to breach the veil separating our world from the realms beyond picture this a room filled with hushed anticipation where the living gathered hearts aflutter hoping for a glimpse into the mysteries of the afterlife. Tonight we embark on a journey through time, guided by the spectral hands of practitioners who breathed life into this otherworldly art. From the inexplicable wrappings in the Fox Sisters' modest abode, to the scholarly pursuits of William Stainton Moses, each chapter of this tale is steeped in mystery, spiced with controversy, and laced with a touch of the supernatural. Before this episode is at its end, I'll even be teaching you how to conduct your own seance if you're feeling particularly brave as the autumn nights roll in and the chill returns to the air. Just as a quick experiment before we begin, do you believe that seances actually have the power to contact the dead? Is it all a hoax, or is something else going on? I'd love to hear your thoughts going into this episode. Now let's gather close, and let us step into the shadows of seances, where history meets the ethereal. Before we journey deeper into the annals of seance history, let's first understand what a seance truly entails. A séance, a word derived from the French for session, is essentially a gathering where individuals attempt to communicate with the spirits of the deceased. It gained significant popularity during the 19th and early 20th centuries, marking a pivotal era in the convergence of spiritualism, religion and the quest for the unknown. When I think of séances it conjures up images in my mind of Victorian England people locked away in their homes late at night, finding odd ways to entertain themselves. So let's start there, shall we? Picture the gaslit parlours of grand estates and modest drawing rooms in 19th century England. It was an era brimming with a fervent thirst for knowledge and a fascination with the mystical and the unexplained. In this atmospheric setting, seances emerged as a captivating practice where individuals sought to transcend the boundary between the living and the departed. At the heart of the seance phenomenon was a burgeoning spiritualist movement, which gained momentum in the mid-19th century. Spiritualists staunchly believed in the survival of the soul after death, and were in search of empirical proof of an afterlife through direct communication with spirits. Seances provided a structured means for this ethereal communion. Now let's focus on the linchpin of every seance the medium. 
These were individuals, often women, who were believed to possess an exceptional sensitivity to the spirit world. They stood as conduits between realms, channeling the voices and messages of the departed. Their presence was absolutely integral to the seance experience. Seances in Victorian England were known for their dramatic flair. Ectoplasm, a mysterious substance supposedly exuded by mediums, took centre stage. In the dim candlelight, ectoplasmic forms were said to materialise, adding an otherworldly aura to the proceedings. Apparitions and ghostly figures were reported, heightening the sense of mystique. Seances permeated popular culture, weaving their way into literature, art and theatre. Yet alongside fervent belief, scepticism thrived. Magicians such as the legendary Harry Houdini dedicated themselves to unmasking fraudulent mediums, revealing the fine line between genuine spiritual experience and artful deception. The legacy of seances endures, leaving an indelible mark on paranormal exploration. Though often viewed through a lens of Victorian romanticism, the practice laid the foundation for modern paranormal investigations. The quest to fathom the mysteries of existence, as exemplified in Victorian seances, continues to enrapture minds to this very day. Today, the echoes of those seances resonate in the ongoing quest to unravel the enigma of life beyond the mortal coil. But of course, seances were not just the practice on this end of the world, nor were the Victorians the first to practice such techniques. The ancient Greeks, Egyptians and shamanic traditions all had their own ways of contacting the dead. But for this episode we're going to be sticking with looking at the more modern take on this method. We'll commence our journey by unravelling the story of the Fox Sisters, who have been referred to by many as being the pioneers of modern spiritualism. In the modest village of Hydesville, New York, nestled amidst the 19th century American landscape, Three sisters emerged as the catalyst of a spiritual revolution. Leah, Margareta, or Maggie, and Catherine, also known as Kate, Fox, born into a family with an innate curiosity about the ethereal, would soon etch their names into the annals of history. Their upbringing was steeped in an environment that not only permitted, but actively encouraged exploration of the supernatural. It was an atmosphere primed for the extraordinary events that were to unfold. In the year 1848, within the confines of their family home, the Fox sisters claimed to encounter a phenomenon that would forever alter the course of a spiritual inquiry. The tale is, as haunting as it is compelling, mysterious rappings, akin to spectral Morse code, echoed through the rooms. Maggie and Kate asserted that these raps were their conduit to a spirit attempting to communicate from the beyond, and that the house was haunted. News of this otherworldly encounter spread like wildfire, captivating the imaginations of a populace hungry for connection with the unknown. Seances, once the provenance of secluded eccentrics, took centre stage in parlours across the nation. The Fox sisters were now famous mediums, acting as bridges between the earthly realm and the ethereal plane. Their seances were characterised by the rapping sounds, which, over time, 
evolved into more sophisticated forms of communication. The sisters claim to receive messages through a coded system of knocks, answering questions posed by those in attendance. Their newfound method of spiritual exploration represented a radical departure from the traditional religious practices, blurring the lines between the secular and the sacred. The hype surrounding the Fox sisters' seances sparked a rapid expansion of the spiritualist movement, a testament to the hunger for connection with departed loved ones. Yet, as with any phenomena that challenges established norms, scepticism and controversy abounded. Critics sought to explain the wrappings through natural means, suggesting anything from subtle muscle movements to the settling of the house itself. In 1888, Maggie Fox claimed that the sisters had faked the entire incident, even going as far to demonstrate how they performed the hoax. But this apparent revelation did nothing to stop the ball rolling on the spiritualist movement. She also later retracted her confession, although some have suggested this was due to her being financially affected by it. Her attempts to carry on being a practicing medium were hampered by the controversy. If her confession was genuine or not is something that is still up for debate. Madame Helena Blavatsky, a name that resonates through the corridors of esoteric history, was a figure of profound influence in the 19th century spiritual landscape. Born in 1831, Blavatsky's early life was marked by a relentless search for esoteric knowledge. Her travels took her to the far reaches of the globe, where she claimed to have encountered mystics, sages, and adepts from various traditions. It was during her journey that Blavatsky began to formulate the foundations of theosophy, a spiritual philosophy that posited the existence of an ancient universal wisdom accessible to humanity through direct spiritual experience. Central to theosophical thought was the idea that individuals could attain a deep, personal communion with spiritual beings and higher planes of existence. This concept resonated strongly with the burgeoning interest in seances and spiritual communication that was sweeping the Western world. Blavatsky, however, approached seances with a discerning eye. She acknowledged the potential for genuine spiritual insight, but was equally aware of the pitfalls of deception and self-delusion. In her work, The Secret Doctrine, Blavatsky expounded on the intricacies of the spiritual realm presenting a tapestry of cosmological thought that drew from ancient wisdom traditions. She contended that seances, when conducted with sincerity and proper discernment, could serve as a means of accessing profound spiritual truths. Blavatsky's influence on the practice of seances was profound. Her writings and teachings not only inspired countless seekers to engage in spiritual exploration, but also provided a framework for understanding and interpreting seance phenomena. Now let's dive into the intriguing world of Allan Kardec. Picture yourself in the early 19th century in the heart of France. Allan Kardec, a man with a penchant for exploration, wasn't satisfied with the ordinary. He had a curious mind and an insatiable appetite for understanding the mysteries of life and death. In his early years, Kardec might have seemed like any other scholar, exploring various fields of knowledge. But it was a chance encounter with seances that truly set his journey on a remarkable course. 
These seances, these gatherings to communicate with the spirits, left a mark on him. Kardec wasn't content with mere experiences. No. He sought to unravel the very fabric of these encounters. In 1857, he unveiled his magnum opus, The Spirit's Book, under the pseudonym of Alan Kardec. His birth name was much more French, and I won't embarrass myself trying to pronounce it here. It was a game changer, a guidebook to understanding the teachings communicated through seances. Kardec had a radical idea, reincarnation. He believed it was a fundamental part of our spiritual journey, intertwined with seance practices. This concept struck a chord with many seekers of the time. What set Kardec apart was his methodical approach. He insisted on systematic observations and verification, aiming for a scientific basis in understanding spiritual phenomenon. This wasn't just about believing, it was rigorously exploring the boundaries of the spirit world. Kardec's work sparked a global movement. His writings and teachings continue to inspire seekers, guiding them in their quest for spiritual truth. Now, let's shift our focus to Italy, where an enigmatic figure named Eusapia Palladino took the seance scene by storm. It was the year 1854 in a small southern Italian town. Eusapia's early life was already marked by peculiar experiences, hints of the extraordinary path she would eventually embark upon. As she grew older, these encounters with the supernatural became more pronounced. By the late 19th and early 20th century, Eusapia had emerged as one of the most intriguing mediums of her time. Her seances were unlike any other. They were filled with astounding physical phenomena, like objects moving without any apparent cause, or Eusapia herself levitating. Can you imagine the astonishment of wonder on the faces of those who witnessed these events? Scientists, scholars, and skeptics alike were drawn to her seances. They sought to understand the forces at play, to uncover the secrets behind these inexplicable occurrences. Among them were luminaries like Sir Oliver Lodge and Charles Richard, who approached the phenomenon with a healthy dose of scepticism, but were left scratching their heads in amazement. However, Eusapia's abilities weren't without their controversies. Accusations of fraud and deceit followed her throughout her career. This, of course, cast a shadow over her legacy. The line between genuine mediumship and potential trickery blurred, leaving many puzzled. Regardless of the debates and disputes surrounding Eusapia, her impact on the study of seances and mediumship was undeniable. Her seances ignited intense scientific inquiry, contributing to the growing body of research on paranormal phenomena. Now let's shift our gaze back to England, where William Stainton Moses enters the seance scene with a scholar's rigour and a clergyman's dedication. It was once again the mid-19th century, a time of immense scientific progress, and at the same time, spiritual exploration. Born in 1839, Moses was no stranger to academic pursuits. He had held a deep reverence for rationalism and scientific principles, even becoming an ordained clergyman of the Church of England. It wasn't until his mid-thirties that his perspective underwent a profound transformation. He was a man of the cloth, 
known for his commitment to empirical reasoning, but was suddenly finding himself drawn to seance phenomena. Moses' seances were marked by methodical precision. He employed techniques like automatic writing, claiming to receive messages from spiritual entities. These communications formed the bedrock of his teachings and writings. One of Moses' significant contributions was his insistence on the importance of discernment and critical thinking in spiritual matters. He advocated for a balanced approach, one that combined spiritual insight with intellectual rigour. This wasn't about blind faith, it was a thoughtful exploration of the boundaries of human understanding. Through his extensive writings, Moses sought to bridge the gap between the empirical and the metaphysical. His works, including Spirit Teachings, offered a systematic exploration of spiritual principles communicated through seances. The early 20th century was an era teeming with seances and an emerging world of dedicated paranormal investigators. These were individuals who were unafraid to venture into the realm of the unexplained, seeking to unravel the mysteries surrounding seances and the claimed communication with the spirit world. One luminary in this field was none other than Harry Price, a British psychical researcher known for his scientific approach to paranormal phenomena. He would meticulously conduct seances as part of his investigations. Rooms dimly lit, a select group of individuals known for their sensitivity to spiritual energies gathered around a table. Mediums invited to serve as conduits. It was an atmosphere charged with anticipation and curiosity. His work with seances at the Borley Rectory has gone down in history. We've already covered Borley in our episode on the true story of the nun, but hopefully we'll be delving more into the work of Harry Price in the future. The Society for Psychical Research, the SPR, took centre stage during this time. Founded in 1882, it became a cornerstone in the scientific study of the paranormal. Seances were a subject of intense scrutiny for the SPR. Imagine controlled experiments, where various techniques were employed. Automatic writing, table tipping, direct voice phenomena, all conducted in carefully monitored environments to eliminate any possibility of deception. Now let's delve into some famous seance cases. Some of these we have already covered in detail on the tape library, but others I hope we'll get to in the near future. The Enfield Poltergeist Case, 1977-1979 Investigated by Maurice Gross and Guy Playfair, this haunting involved a series of poltergeist phenomena in a North London home. Seances were part of their attempt to communicate with the apparent spirit entity. Many examples of automatic writing were witnessed here, and at least one spirit appears to communicate through the body of one of the young girls in the house. The Amityville Horror, 1975. The events in Amityville, New York, were investigated by renowned paranormal researchers Ed and Lorraine Warren. Seances were conducted as part of their efforts to communicate with the alleged malevolent forces. Lorraine has always claimed to be very sensitive when it comes to communicating with the spirit world. The Skull Experiment, 1993-1998 Conducted by the Society for Psychical Research, the Skull Experiment aimed to establish communication with purported spirit entities. 
Seances were held in a village in Norfolk in the UK, involving mediums and researchers. The sessions allegedly yielded remarkable paranormal phenomena, including written messages and photographic anomalies. The Cross Correspondences, 1901-1932 This complex series of experiments involved multiple mediums, communicating fragmented messages across various seances, coordinated by members of the Society for Psychical Research. These seances sought to provide evidence of post-mortem survival. The case remains a subject of fascination and debate among scholars. The Warrens and the Haunting in Connecticut, 1986. Ed and Lorraine Warren return here. It's hard not to talk about them when they seem to be involved, to some level, in every major paranormal case within the US at least. In this one, they were involved in the investigation of a purportedly haunted house in Southington, Connecticut. Seances were conducted as part of their efforts to communicate with the spirits believed to inhabit the residence. The R-101 Airship Disaster Seance of 1930 After the tragic crash of the British airship R-101, mediums held seances in an attempt to contact the victims. This event, which involved multiple seances conducted across England, illustrates the historical belief in using mediumship to seek solace and closure after a tragedy. These cases illustrate the diverse contexts in which seances have played a role in paranormal investigation, from seeking solace after a tragedy to systematic experiments exploring the boundaries of human understanding. Seances have been a central tool in exploring the mysteries of the spirit world. Now let's wade into the waters of controversy. Seances have been a subject of heated debate for ages. Here are some of the key concerns many skeptics have raised. Scientific rigour versus subjective experience. Some skeptics argue that seances are slippery ground for a traditional scientific study. They say personal beliefs and emotions can muddy the waters, making it hard to tell if something's genuinely paranormal or just a trick of the mind, the potential for fraud. Let's face it, not everyone out there is playing by the rules. There have been many cases where folks have tried to pull the wall over people's eyes, using all sorts of tricks to fake paranormal activity. Ethical dilemmas. There are those who think trying to chat with the departed is just plain wrong. They're worried it messes with the natural order of things and could lead to unforeseen consequences. It's like trying to rewrite the rules of life and death. Different level of medium abilities. Mediums aren't all cut from the same cloth. Some might be superstars, while others are still figuring things out. This variability can make it hard to figure out just how reliable seance communications are. Psychological explanations. Some researchers think that seance phenomena can be all chalked up to psychology. They talk about suggestibility, altered states of consciousness, and something called the ideomotor effect. It's like saying our minds can play tricks on us, making us think that we're talking to spirits when we're not. A lack of solid proof. Despite loads of seances over the years, some skeptics argue there's just not enough rock-solid evidence to say for sure 
that we're really talking to the spirit world. They say we need more scientific data to be really sure. If you've stuck it out this long, I imagine you might be interested to delve into the world of seances yourself. Well, there's a few things to discuss first. The dangers of performing seances. Let's talk about something crucial, the potential risks of diving into seances. It's like exploring uncharted waters, thrilling, but not without its danger. Here are some things to keep in mind. Seances can stir up intense emotions, especially if participants believe they've made contact with a departed loved one. It's opening a door to a realm of feelings, and you might not always know what's on the other side. Sadly, not everyone out there is as genuine as they seem. Some folks might try to deceive or manipulate, taking advantage of the vulnerable state that seance participants can find themselves in. Can you really trust your medium? They say that engaging in seances can also potentially open up individuals to spiritual energies. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but without the right precautions, it could lead to unexpected spiritual experiences, and those aren't always easy to handle. Here's another thing. Seances might not always deliver clear or satisfying communications with spirits. They say it's like trying to talk on a fuzzy phone line. You might not get the answers or connections you were hoping for. Also, there are ethical considerations. Some folks question the ethics of trying to communicate with the departed. As we mentioned in the skeptic session, they worry it could disrupt the natural order of life and death. It's meddling with a delicate balance, and you might not fully understand the consequences. You also have to be totally prepared. Holding a seance requires focus and stability. If participants aren't mentally or emotionally prepared, it's like trying to run a marathon without any training. It's bound to be uncomfortable. So remember, if you're thinking of diving into a seance, do it with your eyes wide open and make sure you've got a trusted guide along for the ride. It's all about balance, respect, and being prepared for whatever might come your way. All right, if you've got the curiosity and courage to dive into a seance yourself, Here's a basic guide to get you started. Remember, approach this with respect and an open mind, and ideally, with someone experienced to guide you. Setting the stage. Choose the right location. Pick a quiet, comfortable spot where you won't be disturbed. It could be a living room, a dimly lit space, or even outdoors if the weather permits. Create an ambience. Dim the lights and light some candles. This sets the mood and helps create a calm, focused atmosphere. Select participants. Keep the group small. Around three to six people is ideal. Choose individuals who are open-minded and respectful of the process. Here's what you'll need. A table. A sturdy, preferably wooden table is essential. It will be the focal point of your seance. Candles. These not only set the mood, but can also be used to signal the presence of spirits. Be sure they're secure and won't tip over. Paper and pen. 
for any automatic writing that may occur during the seance. Any personal items. If you're trying to connect with a specific spirit, have some of their personal belongings nearby. Okay, let's get started. Opening and grounding. Begin with a moment of silence. This is to focus everyone's energy and clear any distractions. Have everyone close their eyes and take a few deep breaths. Imagine roots growing from your feet into the earth, grounding you and connecting you to the energy of the earth. Now it's time to invoke the spirits. State your intentions clearly. Speak aloud while you're holding the seance. Are you seeking guidance, closure, or just open to communication? This helps set the tone. Address the spirits. If you are trying to contact a specific spirit, say their name clearly and invite them to join you. During the seance, you must maintain respectful silence. Encourage everyone to remain quiet unless they feel strongly compelled to speak. Observe closely. Pay attention to any unusual sounds or sensations or movements. These could be signs of a spirit presence. If you feel comfortable, ask open-ended questions. Allow time for the responses and pay attention to any subtle shifts in the environment. You can also utilize automatic writing. If someone experiences the urge to write, provide them with paper and a pen. Let the writing flow without any conscious interference. You can also use candles for communication as I mentioned before. Ask the spirits to signal their presence by flickering the candles. You can set up a code like one flicker for yes, two for no, for example. Now to close the seance, this is very important to do. Thank the spirits. If you feel you've made a connection, express gratitude for their presence. The grounding exercise again. Reconnect with the Earth's energies to help everyone return to their normal state of consciousness. Extinguish the candles. Do this one by one, consciously thanking each one as you do. Then reflect and discuss. Take some time to share your experiences and feelings. This can help process the seance. Remember a seance is a powerful and potentially profound experience. Approach it with care. And always prioritize safety and respect for all involved, both in this world and whatever may lie beyond. Now if you're ready, go forth and explore the mysteries that await. Our journey through the fascinating world of seances comes to a close. We ventured through dimly lit parlours, witnessed rappings that echoed through time, and explored the minds of those who sought to bridge the gap between the living and departed. As we reflect on this journey, it's essential to approach seances with respect, discernment and an open heart. Whether viewed through a lens of scientific inquiry, or as a deeply personal spiritual endeavour, seances continue to be a compelling avenue for exploring the enigma of life, death and the beyond. So whether you find yourself drawn to the flickering candlelight, or prefer to navigate the mysteries of existence through a different lens, remember this. The quest for understanding, the hunger for connection, and the yearning for transcendence are the threads that bind us all. 
Thank you for joining me on this exploration through the world of the seance. This has been a bit of a different episode, but I hope you've enjoyed it nonetheless. As we're now in October and the spooky season is well upon us, I'm planning to try and get a few more bonuses out over the next few weeks. So make sure you check out our YouTube channel if you're a podcast listener, and vice versa if you prefer the video versions of the tape library. As always, if you've enjoyed this episode, then please do subscribe to the tape library. Until next time, pleasant dreams.